Hello there, everyone. Welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the video cast where we not only teach you how to make money while traveling the world, but how to save the world itself through your travels. And on today's episode, we have an environmental journalist, environmental photographer, videographer, who's going to be sharing his in insights, his passion, and his purpose to help protect the environment. And obviously, as a fellow traveler, that's one of the things I want to do as well. How can we make the world a better place, not only for ourselves, but ultimately for our children and our grandchildren and for the generations to come. So Jim uh, O'Donnell is a guest today. He has a great website called Around the World in not 80 days, not 80 weeks, not 80 months, but in 80 years. Uh, so once again, it's aroundtheworldin80years.com. Uh, make sure you check out the website. It's a great um, website with a lot of amazing, amazing photography. Uh, so make sure you check that one out. Uh, so Jim, uh, to start off with, why don't we get to know you a little, better, a little bit better if you want to share a little bit more about yourself. Um, I'm a 47-year-old father of two. Um, I live in Taos, New Mexico. I, uh, I grew up in Colorado, and um, uh, my first career was as an archaeologist. I worked for about a decade as an archaeologist, and uh, that was wonderful, traveling around um, uh, and, you know, seeing all kinds of places in the back countries and different spots, and it was just wonderful. Um, then, uh, after that, I got into a career in conservation and, and helped, uh, run some nonprofit organizations working on public lands protection. So we got, uh, wilderness areas declared and national monuments protected, things like that. Um, uh, and then when the, uh, financial crisis hit in 2008, um, the nonprofit world dried up. I found myself uh, unemployed and trying to think uh, of what to do next and sat down and analyzed all the things that I love, uh, writing and photography and sought to make a career out of that. Awesome, so uh, I'd love to hear a little bit of the backstory about the website itself. So uh, when did you start? around the world in 80 years and uh, walk us through a little bit about the conception and also the purpose and the mission and you know some of the major themes and topics you're writing about. Right so um, the website kind of started by accident I think it was in 2010 2009 or 2010 um, like I said I was unemployed and doing a bunch of part-time work and trying to figure out what I was going to do next and somebody said, hey, you should get a website and put up your pictures. And, um, and somebody else said, uh, you should also put up some of your travel stories. Because I've been writing travel stories for, for years. And they said, well, you should just put them up and you know, use that as kind of a resume to, uh, um, to feature yourself as you're out there looking for work as a writer and a photographer. So I did that. And it just seemed like almost immediately... Um, I think that that was at the time that travel blogs were just really kind of taking off, 2010 or so. And I um, got all these emails and everything from people who were travel bloggers. And I was like, I don't even know what that is. And um, so just kind of by chance, then I, I somehow kind of fell into this world of travel blogging, which was never really my intention um, but, uh, fell into that for a while and, and have 
you know, definitely profited off of that and, and worked off of that. But I always wanted to get into the journalism, the full on journalism. So now it's been about five years that I've been really focused on the environmental journalism work and then conservation photography. And the, the blog is kind of just just for fun and for me to uh, to rant when I want to. <laughs> it's always good to have that outlet to rant. Um, exactly. I'm curious to know what is conservation photography? I actually haven't heard the term before. I didn't know oh. if something you coined or is that a common term in photojournalism. Walk us through the term and what makes our, uh, you know, a photograph describing that. Right. So, so basically, I use my photographic skills and, and my art form as a photographer to highlight areas that are in danger or in need of protection um, to bring those places to people's uh, computers or magazines or uh, whatever media they consume in order to um, to spark an interest in protecting these places so for example one of my big kind of ongoing projects over the past seven years or so has been with the Rio Grande del Norte National Monument here in northern New Mexico, um, using my photography to, to, to show people what an incredible place this is and how it should be protected. Um, I've also worked on a number of other projects around the southwestern United States and in Europe, in Finland and um, Slovakia, um, again, taking beautiful pictures and making beautiful images that will inspire people to protect these places. Awesome. And uh, on your website, you use uh, another kind of unique term, climate resiliency journalism. Um, right. Another term, I'm not, you're teaching me English, even though I'm, native, I'm a native English speaker, but I don't know these terms. Tell me more. What does it mean? Well, so, um, so I've been interested in climate change for a very long time. And, um, but just kind of as an observer. And then um, just you know, observing the debate, participating in the debate, learning as much about the science as I can. But then when I had kids, um, I started to think in terms of how climate change is going to impact their lives. And, and uh, my daughter's now 13, my son is nine, and they're growing up into a world that, um, we and previous generations have uh, have damaged in a severe way. I mean, they're facing um, uh, problems as the ch climate changes from economic problems to disease problems to opportunity problems um, that all stem from climate change. And so I'm very concerned about my kids' future and my grandkids. Obviously, I don't have any yet, but I, um, I, I probably will one day. And I don't want them to... Um, live in a society that has collapsed due to climate change. So I've been looking at and reporting on with my, my journalism um, communities that have taken action to, to build a stronger community in the face of climate change. So I'm not talking necessarily about the, the greenhouse gases and mitigation of those of the the, uh, the greenhouse gases so much as I'm talking about the um, how we adapt because the the change is happening we can't stop it now 
um, mitigation is another is one thing, but but we need to build resiliency into our communities to deal with the changes that are coming. So I want to report on those to help bring that to other people so that they can make those choices in their own communities. Sounds good. Uh, you know, I, I think most of us are passionate about the environment. Not everyone and not every country, uh, but I think uh, most individuals have some kind of inclination that, yeah, we need to do something, um, but uh, we just don't know what to do. Uh, sometimes the problems seem so overwhelming, so out there, and where most of us are not scientists. So uh, what can we as individuals do to protect the environment, to help with climate change and global warming? Well, that's. I think that's a, that's a great point. One of the one of the big challenges with global warming is that it's such a, a large issue. Um, it's an existential threat. And um, uh, it's, it's, a, it's something that's very difficult to wrap your head around as a concept. And so, you know, I'm not a person who feels necessarily that, you know, we as individuals can go make our changes, right? We can drive less, we can consume less. And we should do all those things, but that's not ultimately what is going to um, to be sufficient to uh, stop the emission of greenhouse gases and switch towards a green energy economy. We need to be pushing on our political leaders and our um, business leaders and the wealthy individuals um, to to get the changes that we need to have happen. So it's gonna be a long political fight. But one of the things we can do, and this goes back to the resiliency piece, is work with our local communities, our neighborhoods, our friends, and, um, and fellow family members to build stronger communities, protect our food. If we live along the, the coast, um, how are we going to deal with rising sea levels? If you live in a place like the Southwest where I do, how are you going to deal with um, forest fires and changing environments as, um, as the current system literally burns up and goes up in smoke and is replaced by another ecosystem? So, so these are the things that we're going to have to do to adapt stronger in the face of what's coming. And, uh, you know, uh, not everyone has fully embraced the idea of climate change. There are a lot of naysayers, skeptics. Um, you know, um, tell us a little bit about uh, what would you tell that person who's saying climate change doesn't exist or I don't believe it or show me the proof. Right. I don't waste my time talking with those folks anymore because at this point it's become a willful ignorance. Um, there's, you know, there's so much evidence out there. There's. Um, you know, the, the, the term 97% of all scientists agree has been thrown out there so many times. We all know this, right? The, the, um, we can see climate change happening literally right outside our windows. We all recognize it. So there's no point engaging in those debates anymore. So I don't, I don't engage in those debates. But what I do think is useful is to, um, even if someone dis disagrees, to find a common ground such as uh, um, growing the economy, right? Um, creating jobs, uh, protecting um, protecting your, your town from, from sea level rise, no matter what you think is causing it, let's just deal with that. So, so finding that kind of common ground, avoiding the, the um, 
frankly, idiotic discussion about whether this is real or not. And let's just get down to brass tacks is how can we, um, wh where do we have common ground? And we don't even have to use the term climate change. Yeah, you know, uh, yeah, great tips there. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, we all are living the same planet and whether we don't, we believe in the exact same concept of climate change or not, we need to protect it for, like you said, our children and our grandchildren and the generations to come. Uh, so Jim, I'm curious to know also about your photography. You touched on, you know, your journalism, et cetera. Um, any tips or advice uh, for people who want to take better pictures in terms of their uh, travel photography? I know, I need, I know. I <laughs> Take better pictures when I'm traveling, uh, capturing their uh, landscape. Um, you know, you know, capturing our, our kids, etc. So, any tips uh, from a you know a veteran in the photography space? Well, yeah. You know, first of all, know your camera. Um, it's amazing how many people I've I've taken out on photo tours or or uh, I've been out with who don't know how their camera functions. So, um, learn learn your camera. Know what it can do and what it needs to do. Um, you do not need a super expensive, high-end camera, especially for travelers, right? Like, um, you know, for instance, when I was in Slovakia in the Tatras Mountains on a conservation photography project, I had just a very simple Nikon camera because I was backpacking up and down and, you know, hiking miles and miles every day. Um, in rough areas and I couldn't carry a lot of a camera equipment and a lot of times your iPhone your iPhone will do you know so it's it's not necessarily the equipment um, uh, so, so know your camera and then the other thing is look at the pictures of the photographers you really like whether it's Ansel Adams or um, Gary Smith here in New Mexico um, Look at these people's pictures and see the way they're framing up their um, their images. See what they're looking at and how they're portraying, and 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 then go out and play with that idea. I think it's it's okay to to copy at first and to you know to take to get out there and and just learn how your camera is working and learn how to frame up the pictures. I think those are good places to start. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, some great tips there. Um, I know you're an avid uh, writer as well. I was looking at your website earlier, and you have uh, quite a lot of different short stories and publications. So walk us through uh, the travel writing and just the writing um, uh, part of your business as well, uh, Jim. Okay. Um, yeah, so, you know, the way, again, kind of going back to the way this all started, uh, somebody asked me to put my stories up on a website and said, oh, you've got these great stories. So, you know, I've started traveling when I was 16. First country I went to was, uh, was Peru and spent a summer there. And um, I've been to 44 countries now. And all along the way, um, you know, what I found really pleasurable was to, to write short stories based on what I was seeing. So I have a lot of travel short stories um, that have been published in a wide range of publications. And then in 2003, I walked across Finland, uh, did a five-month walk across Finland, and then wrote a book uh, called Notes for the Aurora Society um, about my five-month walk across Finland. And um, so, you know, I love travel literature. Um, I, I read travel literature all the time and, and uh, 
and there's some really beautiful stuff out there. There's also a lot of trash too, but um, there's a lot of beautiful stuff. And, and I just find it fun to, to write about my travels. So that's, that's kind of where that came from. Awesome. Uh, you know, uh, we asked for you some tips about photography. I'd love for you some tips on how to be a better writer because that's something I want to do as well. Uh, I have a uh, travel blog called daddyblogger.com where I'm always writing. and I, There's only so many times I can say it's a delicious meal or it's a beautiful right. mountain. Uh, I definitely want to improve my skills as a writer. And I know you do actually um, workshops as well on writing, on photography. So uh, for the people listening and watching who want to actually get better at the, you know, the skill of writing, any quick tips? Yeah, the two quick tips: read and write. Um, that is that is the basics. The you cannot be a good writer unless you are an avid reader. Um, I encourage you to read absolutely everything you can, and uh, and then you also can't be a good writer unless you just sit and write. You have to practice the craft. Um, um, writing is a a skill to develop. And, um, um, and unless you sit down and put pen to paper, it's not going to happen. It's always nice to get a, uh, you know, a group of friends or a group or, or not maybe not even necessarily friends, but a group of people together where you can exchange your writing and, um, uh, and get feedback on it. That's always good too, but, uh, read and write. That's the best way. I love it. I love it. You know, it's so simple yet so difficult because uh, in, our, in our day and age of uh, busyness, uh, we live in busyness bubbles. It is so hard to find the time away from the kids and away from work, away from your spouse, yeah. away from society to read. And it's so hard to actually do that and write. Uh, it so is. The fundamentals, but those are the hardest things. It's simple, but not easy. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. And um and, you know, again, raising my kids on my own, I, I, I really feel that. Um, the, uh, so, you know, for me, what works for me is I'm tightly scheduled with the writing. So I'll get up early in the morning before the kids are up and I'll put in two hours of writing. Um, I'm working on a novel right now um, along with my journalism, but I'll put in two solid hours on the creative writing. Um, and then during the day, I always make sure that I set aside one hour just to read. Um, and yeah, it's, it's not easy. I don't always succeed. Um, you know, sometimes, there, you know, there's a big assignment coming down or somebody needs photos and I'm in a panic. So I cut out the reading for that day. But, um, you know, if you're scheduled and you just make sure you do it every single day at the same time, it's to flow and your efficiency picks up as well as your creativity. Yeah, I, I definitely agree that the structure helps. Uh, for me, I'm more of a night owl, so I get a lot of work done in the evenings. Uh, like right now, it's evening, and I get, I'm more productive for some reason. And also, right, when yeah, I yeah, we're all, yeah, exactly. We're all different, and so whatever works for you. But yeah, you know, if you have that schedule, you sit down and do it. It's, it, it takes a couple of weeks, but your mind starts, it, it gets into that flow. Yeah, and when you're in the flow, that's when the beauty comes out in terms of your writing and your, your photography, your videography, and um, you know your outlet for uh, creativity. Uh, so what I'm interested in, Jim, is uh, 
what is your vision for the future? I mean, you're super passionate about the environment, about photography, um, you know, videography, writing, uh, photojournalism, video journalism. Tell us a little bit about where you see yourself in terms of your travels, your business, and beyond. Okay. So, um, so right now I'm working on a four to five year project that I'm calling Weathering the Apocalypse. And you've seen my uh, Patreon page. So I'm, I'm raising funds for this project uh, through Patreon. And uh, the, the, the idea here goes back to the resiliency piece, right? The, the climate resiliency journalism. So over the next four to five years, I'm going to write a bunch of articles and do a bunch of research around the world, um, which will include a bunch of travel, um, to look at different communities that are doing different things to adapt to climate change. I'll publish those articles in various um, magazines and online publications. And then, and then in the end, I'll take all of that and I'll expand on it and develop that into a book. So I'd like to publish a book in about five to six years with all of these different resiliency ideas in there. And, and I want it to be a tool. I want communities, people to, to look at that and say, hey, they're doing this in India or they're doing this in Japan or they're doing this in Florida. And we can take those ideas and adapt them to our community. So that's, that's the goal with that. Um, at the same time, um, and then uh, that whole project includes the photography piece, obviously, too. So at the same time, I'm going to be working, or I am working on a, um, a novel, and it's a climate fiction, so cli-fi. Uh, it's a climate fiction novel. Um, and uh, so that's, you know, I don't know how long that's going to take. Maybe, a, maybe two years, probably, to get that done with, you know, working an hour or two a day on it. Uh, so I've got that going on. And then, um, you know, my kids and I do a lot of trips. We do a lot of backpacking. We just literally yesterday got back from uh, a big road trip we did to Oregon, a two-week road trip. And um, um, the kids, my kid's mother is from Finland, and so we'll be going over there. And, um, you know, so, so traveling with the kids too. But uh, I really want to focus in on this climate piece and as well as my novel and if anybody out there wants to throw me five bucks a month, you know, one less beer or one less uh, um, latte at Starbucks, uh, it'll go a long way. I'll make sure to, to put that to good use um, with my climate reporting. Well, you know, thanks for sharing and inspiring us. You know, uh, I've learned a whole bunch of different terminology, including the one uh, cli-fi. Uh, you know, who would think cli climate fiction? Uh, so thanks for inspiring us in terms of the environment and the climate change, uh, photography, writing, and your new project. So how can people connect with you and find out more details uh, about all these things you do, Jim? Yeah, so um, I'm at uh, um, www.aroundtheworldin80years.com or jimodonnellphotography.com. Um, I'm on Twitter at jimodonnell2. Yeah, but you can get all my, my Twitter, Facebook, all of that kind of stuff um, through my website. So there's, two again, two websites, the Around the World in 80 Years and the Jim O'Donnell Photography um, website. So, yeah, drop on by, and there's links there to um, 
my Patreon page and, uh, and feel free to fire me an email. Cool. Well, hey, thanks again for your time today, Jim. And uh, yeah, like I said earlier, it's uh, definitely super inspiring the work you're doing. I had a chance to look at your website, the photography, uh, the projects you're working on. So good on you. And, uh, you know, a happy, uh, happy saving the environment and happy travels. Thanks so much, Ricky. Appreciate it. Uh, and definitely, I highly recommend reaching out to Jim uh, on the websites he mentioned uh, around the world in 80 years and also his personal photography one. He also does uh, workshops. If you're interested, interested uh, you can definitely connect with him to get better at your writing and, actually, and photography. So thanks, everyone, for tuning into this episode of Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the videocast where we teach you not only how to make money while traveling the world, but how to protect and save the environment as well.